For those of you who don't know me, my name is Chi. I lead the Mandarin Fellowship here at Bridges. Um, I love that, you know, here we have different language fellowships, and yet we are united as one under Christ, partnering together to reach the diverse city of Fremont. This morning, we'll be talking about three areas that are very important to, I would say, all of us. Sex, Love and work. Actually, it will be mostly about sex. <laughs> In my traditional Chinese culture, sex is a taboo subject. My parents never spoke to me about sex. I felt very awkward talking to my kids about it. Let me ask you: How many of you have ever, you know, talked to your kids about sex? Can, you, can I see a hand if you have? Okay. Well, the first service had more people raise their hands. <laughs> but some of you are definitely more comfortable talking about sex than I do. In our society, sex is talked about everywhere: at school, at work, in the news, on TV, in the movies. In music, in the magazines, and on the internet, dating and sex, one night stand, sexual harassment, sexual assault, extramarital affair, porn, sex workers. Does the church have a voice that redeems sex rather than condemn? Condemns it. What does the Bible teach that brings hope to the mess that we find ourselves in? In First Thessalonians chapter four, Paul reminds the Christians in Thessalonica what he has taught them before. Paul says in verses one to two, "Finally, then, brothers and sisters, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus." That as you receive from us before, how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more, for you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Paul has instructed these new believers before on how to live their life that is pleasing to God. Now he says to them. Good job. Do so more. Do so even more. He affirms them. You are already doing it, and he encourages them. Do so more and more. Affirm and encourage. That's a great way of how we can encourage one another. Last month in February, several members in the Mandarin Fellowship shared the gospel with their friends. And led three people to faith in Jesus Christ. Last Sunday at our worship service, we celebrated what God had done, and we welcomed the new believers. We said to those who share the gospel with their friends, "Great job!" And we encourage everyone, 
Let's all start sharing the good news of Jesus with our neighbors. When it comes to living a life pleasing to God, relationship with God is key. Relationship with Jesus is foundational. Without that, these moral teachings are just a list of do's and don'ts without any power to change us. Without the deep longing to please God, we can become fixated on the letters of rules but miss the spirit of the rules. In verse 1, when Paul says, we urge you in the Lord Jesus, he is talking about our common bond in the Lord, our common bond with Jesus. And then in verse 2, when Paul reminds them, we have instructed you through the Lord Jesus, he is pointing to Jesus' authority and our obedience to Jesus the Lord. Why do we want to live a life pleasing to God? Because Jesus loves us. Because Jesus has saved us. Because we belong to Jesus. Because Jesus showed us what it is like to live a life pleasing to God. Because we are followers of Jesus. Relationship with Jesus is key. In verse 3, Paul reminds them, what he has said about pleasing God. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Living a life pleasing to God is what we call sanctification. This big word simply means becoming holy. God is holy. We worship a holy God. This morning as you come, Hope you experienced God's holy presence. We belong to God. And God's will is that we become holy, set apart from this world, and reflecting His character. Sanctification is a process. This means that we may begin at different points, but we are all moving toward the same destination God's holiness. Some of us struggle with low self-esteem. Some struggle with substance abuse. Some struggle with anger and violence. Some with bitterness and resentment. No matter where you are, the important thing is that you continue to allow God to work in areas where you are vulnerable. Some people said, Becoming holy is becoming whole, from brokenness to wholeness. In this journey of becoming whole, we discover our true worth in God's unchanging love. We experience healing from God. We experience forgiveness. We experience freedom. And we experience peace. Paul continues, For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. Paul now focuses on one particular area of sanctification, sex. Why sex? What does sex have to do with becoming holy? 
for the Christians in Thessalonica, since most of them were not Jews, but Gentiles. Their view of sex was shaped by the predominant Greco-Roman culture of the time. In that culture, sex outside of marriage was not regarded as immoral. A Greek philosopher described the normal practices of the time. He writes, Mistresses we keep for the sake of pleasure, concubines for the daily care of our persons, but wives to bear us legitimate children. In that culture, going to a prostitute is perfectly fine as long as the person doesn't get the prostitute pregnant. Paul knew how important it is to teach these new Christians what God had designed for sex. Abstaining from sexual immorality means stay away from all sexual sins. It means don't have sex outside of marriage. Marriage is the sacred bond between husband and wife, joined together as one before God. Sex is God's gift, designed by God for husband and wife to experience, to enjoy pleasure and experience intimacy. Sex is good and powerful. When we have sex according to God's design, sex enhances intimacy between husband and wife. But when we distort, when we distort sex, when we have sex before and outside of marriage, we feel ashamed. We feel guilt. We feel betrayed, hurt. We feel worthless. And there's a permanent scar in our heart. Sex in marriage should not be selfish or hurtful. There must be respect and love. It should be self-giving, giving pleasure to your spouse. It should not be selfish, like pressuring your spouse to do something that violates her conscience. It must not be hurtful, like sexual aggression or violence. Are there ways you have been selfish or demanding of your spouse's body? Are there ways you have withheld your body from your spouse? For Christians who are single and dating, abstaining from sex requires intentional effort. We are sexual beings, and there is strong desire for sexual intimacy. A study in Washington University in 2017 surveyed over 1,000 students at the school and found that 75% of them admitted that they had sex already. Many people do not know how to have emotional and relational intimacy outside of sex. Yet there are many activities that you can do to get to know each other more without having sex. Go to a Warriors game. <laughs> Go ice skating. Ride go-karts. Have a picnic at Lake Elizabeth. 
have a board game night with your friends together. When I was dating Tammy, my wife, when we were dating in college, one day my pastor took us aside and talked with us. He said, Chi and Tammy, I know that you are dating. It's great that you are getting to know one another, that you enjoy each other's presence, that you want to find out more about each other. I want to encourage you to grow together in your walk with God. I want you to pray together, to read the Bible together, to serve a church together. And when you spend time alone by yourselves at night in your room, make sure that you keep your door open. You need to set boundaries to your physical intimacy. I really appreciate my pastor for taking time and talk to us that day. Whether you are single or married, God's will is that we pursue sexual purity. That we pursue sexual purity. Let's be honest. It's hard to pursue sexual purity in our digital age. It's so easy to access sexually explicit pictures and videos with just a click on the computer. These images arouse our lust and fuel our fantasy. How can we say no to these temptations? And what can we say yes to when pursuing sexual purity? Verses 4 to 5 give us some pointers that each one of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Pursuing sexual purity begins with changing the way we see our body. Our physical body is holy. It belongs to God. It is not to be used for sexual immorality. We need to control our body in ways that will honor God. Again, relationship with God is key to resisting sexual temptations. People who do not know God can easily give in to lust, surrendering the body to lustful desires. But we know God. God has revealed himself to us. We have been touched by God's amazing love. Right? To pursue sexual purity, we must say yes to God. Spend time with God. Immerse in God's word and his presence. Ask God to empower you Ask God to instill in you the passion to pursue sexual purity. God wants us to be free from the bondage of sexual sins. We can fill our mind with things of God. We can fill our life with healthy and fun activities. Enjoy a walk in the park. Enjoy the green hills right now. Enjoy the wildflowers. Enjoy skiing in Lake Tahoe. 
endure the wonder of God's creation. Read a book, listen to great music, learn to plant a garden, learn to paint. There are many activities, wholesome activities that we can do, rather than hiding in front of computer screen, gratifying our lust, but at the end, feeling empty and ashamed. Paul continues in verse 6, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things, as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. Most likely some people in that church had engaged in extramarital affairs before they become um, followers of Jesus. They were following the sexual pattern of their society. The truth is, when we commit sexual sins, not only do we sin against God and our spouse, we also commit wrongdoing against the other party involved. Sex is never just a private activity involving consenting adults. Sexual sins damage our relationship with God and relationship with other people. In verse 7, Paul reminds Christians what God's calling for us is. For God has not called us to impurity, but in holiness. How can our sex life reflect God's character? It is this. When we are faithful to our spouse, we reflect God's faithfulness. When we abstain from sexual immorality, when we are completely devoted to our spouse, we mirror God's uncompromising commitment to his people. Get this. When we offer our sex life to please God, sex is an act of worship. Wow. Sex is an act of worship to God. That's why we pursue sexual purity, to please God and worship God with our body. For believers who continue to engage in sexual sins and do not change their lifestyle, Paul warns them in verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. In this battle against sexual temptations, we might stumble from time to time. We might feel that we failed. We might despair and want to give up. But there is hope. God has given us his Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our struggles. The Holy Spirit is more powerful than the temptation that we are facing. There can be real victory. The Holy Spirit works in our heart, convicts us, cleanses us, renews us, 
empowers us so that we are no longer controlled by our lustful passion but are consumed by a holy passion to please God with our holy living. God gives His Holy Spirit to you, you as an individual, and you as a group of believers. The Holy Spirit works through us collectively to help each other pursue sexual purity. A church in Texas called Watermark Church has a small group ministry that helps married couples deal with marriage issues. I recently watched a video of a couple there, Susan and Roel, sharing their testimony. After their two daughters went off to college, Susan and Roel realized how cold their relationship had become. So Susan started to go to the gym, and there she met a man. They talked on the phone, sent text messages to each other, and then had lunches together. Eventually, Susan had an affair. When Raul found out, he was very angry and deeply hurt. Raul and Susan didn't know if they can continue their marriage. At this time, they found out that Watermark Church has this small group for couples dealing with issues. And maybe it was the Holy Spirit working in their heart. They decided to give it a last try to save their marriage. So in a group, they heard other couples sharing honestly about their broken relationship. And then so Susan and Ro also began to share openly about the problems that they are dealing with. They felt that the Holy Spirit was softening their heart as the group prayed for one another. When other couples started to apologize their, to their spouse, for their infidelity. And the spouse listened with tears in their eyes. Susan and Raul also began to listen to each other and then try to learn to forgive one another. Step by step, God was healing them and they have since renewed their marriage vows to one another. If you are struggling with sexual sins, I want you to know that you are not alone. Do not let guilt and shame swallow you. Don't hide it in the dark, but be courageous to talk about it. Find a person that you trust and talk about your struggles. You might want to consider joining joining the Celebrate Recovery Group at our church. Um, That means every Sunday evening. Listen to how other people deal with their addiction. Admit that this is a serious problem and that it affects your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse. Confess to God 
that you are powerless to handle this on your own. By sharing your struggles with others, you stop the hidden sin from having its stronghold over you. And you tap into the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome sin with the support from other believers. In verses 9 to 10, Paul moves to a different subject. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this more and more. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, Love one another as I have loved you. By this, people will know that you are my disciples. It is Jesus' sacrificial love in our midst that set us apart, that people recognize we are his disciples. Paul knows that they are already doing it, that they are even showing love to the churches in other cities in the Macedonian region. Paul again tells them, good job, do this more and more. God's will is that we become holy. And this process also takes shape when we learn to love one another more and more. When you see someone going through a tough time, would you take time to encourage that person? When you hear someone is sick, would you visit her and pray for her? When someone shares about his struggles, would you listen without judging him? When someone is grieving, would you go and comfort when someone is hungry, would you give him food? I pray that our love for one another will be so evident that people in our city, you know, in Fremont, would say, oh, that's a church where people really love one another. Oh, that's a church where Jesus' love is real. Paul now shifts to the topic of work. He continues in verses 11 and 12. And to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders and be dependent on no one. Apparently, some people in that church lost jobs, maybe because of persecution. And they began to rely on the loving support from people in the church to meet their daily needs. But then they lost hope and stopped looking for a job completely. And because they had a lot of time to spare, they began to vent out their frustration and cause trouble in the community. And so now here Paul steps in and encourages them you should aspire to live a quiet life 
Find work to take care of your own needs. Be diligent and responsible in your job. That way you have a good standing among outsiders and they will become more open, more receptive to the gospel. As long as you have the ability to work, you should not depend on other people. Just like sex life, work life can be an act of worship. We can please God without work. Your work at your company or your work at home is just as holy as my work at church. When you do your work in ways that honor God, it is holy and pleasing to God. Jesus says, I have come so that you may have life and have it abundantly. When you please God in your sex life, when we please God in our church life, when we please God in our work life, we experience the abundant life that Jesus promises. Are you passionate about pursuing sexual purity? Are you passionate about loving one another? Are you passionate about honoring God at your work? Are you passionate about living a life pleasing to God? I hope you say yes to all these questions. Let's encourage one another to live a life that is pleasing to God. Let's pray. God, you know what's in our heart. You know the pains that we have experienced. You know our deepest longings. You know when we fail to please you, when we struggle with temptations. We always know that you love us and your love never changes. So this morning we come to you, Lord, as broken people in need of healing, but as your people with deep longing to draw close to you and please you with our life. Holy Spirit, we ask that you will work in our heart. Convict us. Cleanse us. Renew us. Fill us. Empower us. Fire up in us the holy passion to pursue sexual purity. Fire up in us the holy passion to please God in whatever we do. Listen to our prayer, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. 
Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.